This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. Alrighty, today we're going to be talking about self-sabotage. The three lies that rule your life. So in this podcast I'm going to explore the three biggest deceptions you play on yourself to create a pattern of self-sabotage. And how to correct these so you can be more honest, confident, and productive. The first lie is your prediction of the future, which you use to determine your decisions. The second lie is the present hidden intention behind your actions. And the third lie is a story you make up about what happened in the past to explain your behavior to yourself. We'll explore these lies today, and then we'll look at what you can do to free yourself from the self-deception. We live in a world we've created based on cognitive biases. Lies, illusions, fictional stories, false evidence, and inaccurate perspectives. The more we believe these lies, the more likely we are to suffer. Why? Because dishonesty and inaccuracy creates painful problems. 1. Connections with other people based on false representations of yourself lack trust and reliability and are plagued by suspicion, jealousy, controlling, hypergamy, and manipulation. 2. Careers based on fictional fears, for example neediness for money, become unsatisfying, boring, and hopeless because they lack alignment with what has meaning for you. 3. Your mental and physical health deteriorates when you aren't truthful with yourself about your behavior because you do not provide yourself with the information, nutrition, exercise, maintenance, and rest your body requires. And 4. Your self-worth falls apart when you can't accurately see how strong, resilient, and successful you are in life. You cannot hope to be confident if your self-worth requires lies to be maintained because all lies eventually unravel. The truth has a way of breaking through, and the longer it takes to do this, the more it hurts when it finally arrives. When you're aligned with the truth, your relationships become healthy and loyal, your career becomes more interesting and meaningful, and your health will be the best it can be because you're constantly calibrating what you think, say, and do to match the most accurate information available. So why don't we do this more often? Unfortunately, the human brain is not wired for truthfulness or even accuracy. It's wired for survival. We do not perceive the world as it truly is. We perceive it in the best way possible to simply survive, based on evolutionary advantages that come from filtering Reality. And for example, what you see is only partly about visual light, and more about guesses and memory filling in the gaps. You essentially create what you see. You'll think that certain things are good or bad when they're actually neutral. You'll believe that what you're doing is the right thing to do, even though you have no evidence or rationale to strongly support that assumption. And you'll measure who you are based on a skewed selection of evidence without realizing that you don't have all the facts required to assess yourself properly. Now this might all be fine if you're just trying to avoid dying. The problem with this is that many of us are no longer in mortal danger on a daily basis. We're not cavemen anymore. Technology, medicine, and agriculture have ensured a high likelihood of survival for the average human. To behave in a... I could die at any second, so I must focus on all potential threats to my life. Fight or flight mode no longer aligns accurately with our environment. 
yet most of us spend a lot of time living in this kind of stress response. We humans finally have a chance to thrive rather than just survive, but for us to do that we need to evolve as much as possible. We need to catch up to reality. We need to live in alignment with today's truth, not past threats. So to enable this, I've identified the three most important lies we must correct before we can hope to stop sabotaging ourselves from creating meaningful and fulfilling lives in our modern environment. Number one, the thinking lies. The first big lie you tell yourself is that you know the truth about something or someone before it's been proven or even happened at all. When you plan and make a decision on your next action, you are beset by cognitive biases, assumptions, and predictions. Your brain is designed to simulate the future almost constantly, predicting and assuming and worrying so that you can reduce potential risks. The only problem with this is that it's entirely fictional. Your brain constantly tells you a story about what might happen. No doubt this is helpful for many reasons, particularly threats of death, but all too often your brain will present these simulations as the absolute truth when they are merely guesses. They might well be educated guesses, but they are guesses nonetheless, always fictional because the future has not happened yet. That doesn't stop your brain saying that its dire prediction definitely will happen. You won't ever know the complete truth about something before it happens, but you will often feel certain about it. You'll be so sure that you know how someone will react or what will happen if you try something, and yet you're completely inventing this fantasy. And you'll be amazed at how often you're completely wrong. You know that old, oh, that wasn't so bad epiphany that so many of us, of us experience when we actually take a risk. The biggest thinking lie you tell yourself is, my thoughts and feelings are essentially true. When you imagine your boss rejecting your job application, and you feel anxiety and reaction to this prediction, you'll come to the conclusion, I will be rejected. Yet there's no proof for this at all. Even if your boss has said to you, I will definitely reject your application, he still hasn't done it yet. He could still surprise you. He may even be testing your determination. Sometimes you won't even have coherent thoughts in the form of instructions or visual simulations. You'll just feel something strongly and interpret that as a command. Particularly feelings like guilt, stress and frustration. These emotions seem like important and truthful assessments of what is happening, so you react to them without analysis. You feel nervous about asking someone out, so you just don't do it, without any real consideration as to why you're nervous, and without looking at the full range of potential actions available to you. For example, you can still ask someone out while feeling nervous. It doesn't create any real extra risk of harm. In fact, it can be quite endearing. These impulsively reactive thoughts and feelings can create patterns and scripts if they repeat and you believe them consistently. You can end up becoming overly conservative in your thinking, risk-averse in a dangerous way, inaccurately judgmental, and full of negative narratives that run your life without even being remotely true. Here are some examples of the internal lies many people live by without question because of this false way of thinking. 1. Bad and painful things that happened in the past will repeat if I take risks. This is known as the availability heuristic bias. 
you actually can't be 100% certain about why something was painful in the past. You'll have a story, but it doesn't mean that story is true. So you can't be sure it will repeat in the future. For example, just because your first marriage failed doesn't mean all future marriages are doomed. Maybe you just need to get your shit together before committing to someone. Number two, people of certain race, gender, group, whatever, are all bad or all good. The stereotyping bias. There's no way that two people are exactly alike, so the chances of an entire group being good or bad are non-existent. Your potential next best friend might currently belong to a group that you stereotype negatively, and you'll overlook them if you don't realize this. And three, one of my favorites... I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. Known as the fundamental attribution error. It's the idea that pain in your life is because there's something wrong with you. The fact that you're alive and listening to this proves you successfully completed every single necessary survival task you needed to, of which there were thousands, and you defeated all threats and challenges you've ever faced. How is that not good enough? And even when you failed, how can the millions of variables, billions of variables in the universe that lead to a failure be your fault? It doesn't make sense. Once we get stuck in these unhelpful limiting beliefs and blindly obey our our thoughts and emotional impulses unquestioningly, effectively becoming slave to ourselves, we then follow through with unhelpful behaviours. I just want to stop here before I go into the second one and let you know if you recognize this problem thinking in your own life and you'd like to change that, you can get in touch with me and maybe we can have a free coaching session. Just email dan at brojo.co.nz. Moving on, number two, the behavioral lies. So once you've been seduced by false thoughts and misunderstood emotions, you then make a decision to act on this information. Often, such an action will contradict what you intuitively know is the best thing to do. The second lie that rules your life is the story you tell yourself about why you're doing something as it happens, especially when deep down you know there's something else you should be doing instead. In other words, procrastination. A behavioral lie is when you do something that doesn't align with who you really are. It's where your actions breach your own ethics, values, standards, and integrity. How do you know when this is happening? Usually it's as simple as stopping to look at what you're doing and asking yourself, is this the best use of my time and energy right now? Where this lie really occurs is in the story you tell yourself about why you're doing something, the story about your intentions. You'll notice you get this wrong with other people all the time. You think your partner is being cold because they're upset with you, but then you find out they got yelled at by their boss and they're feeling depressed you'll realize that your why story explaining their actions was incorrect. Yet we rarely pause to consider our our own story about why we do what we do, and how we might be wrong about that too. We find it hard to believe that we can lie to ourselves about our own intentions. But we can. And we do. A lot. You pretend to agree with the boss's racist remarks while telling yourself, it's not worth rocking the boat, I don't care much either way. Yet the truth is more likely to be, I'm uncomfortable with emotional conflict and have a needy, fearful attachment to keeping my job. You'll guilt trip your partner into doing things they don't want to do for your benefit, all the while telling yourself, I must resort to this tactic because it's the only way I can get through to her. 
rather than admitting, I don't want to risk rejection by asking for what I want directly because then I'll feel unloved and out of control. Almost any form of self-sacrifice or behavior that's done with the primary intention to make someone happy is likely to be done under false pretenses. You'll tell yourself and others that you're just trying to be nice and that you wanted to help and that you don't mind doing it, but underneath this slick, approval-seeking cover story is a much darker truth. You just want them to like you and acknowledge your existence. One of the reasons I specialize in coaching people-pleasers is because approval-seeking, as a form of behavioral dishonesty, is incredibly common, devastating to connections, and destructive to self-worth. Anytime you do something to be nice, there's a very good chance you're secretly doing it for a selfish reason created by insecurities about your worth as a person. But you don't tell them that, right? Hell, you don't even admit it to yourself. When it comes to behavioral honesty, it's not what you do, but why you do it. There's nothing wrong with acts of kindness, compassion, and generosity. There's nothing inherently wrong with social behaviors that influence other people's decision-making. What can be wrong is your intention for doing it, especially when this intention is hidden from others and, even worse, from yourself. Now, once you've engaged in deceptive behaviors, you're likely to experience uncomfortable thoughts and feelings as you reflect on them. You've done something that deep down you know wasn't the best thing you could have done, and you feel uncomfortable with this fact. You don't want to feel bad about what you've done, so you need a good story to explain why you've done it. You need to be able to sell it to yourself. And that's when we apply our deceptive skills to how we measure ourselves. Now once again, before I go on to the third lie, if you want to live with more integrity and develop into someone you can be proud of without needing approval from others, get in touch with me, dan at brojo.co.nz, and we might be able to have a coaching session. Alright, let's move on. Final one. Number three, the measurement lies. The third big lie you tell yourself is the creative story explaining what happened in the past that includes rewriting the truth about why you behaved the way you did, in such a way as to relieve yourself of responsibility for the consequences of your actions, or to keep up a fantasy identity about who you are. We know we do things we aren't proud of, but we don't want to take responsibility for them. We'd rather find a less painful explanation. When I stray from integrity, I'll quickly concoct a big story about what happened to help it make sense. When I reflect on behavior I'm not proud of, I'll notice myself automatically starting to look for excuses, justifications, and ways to minimize my role in the decision making. We also do this for people we like, letting them off for poor behavior by justifying it as exceptional or even a necessary evil, while we do the opposite for people we hate. For example, minimizing their good points and dismissing helpful behavior as uncharacteristic. I used to rehabilitate criminal offenders for the Department of Corrections, and I was shocked to discover that most of them did actually feel guilty about their crimes. I had always assumed most criminals were psychopathic and remorseless about hurting people. Every day I witnessed these harm-causing individuals face a tricky emotional dilemma, living with their crimes. They would engage in a complicated mental rationalization process to reduce their own suffering. They commonly blamed everyone else and made it sound like they were actually the real victims themselves. They used their upbringing or environment as an excuse. They passed the buck onto alcohol and drugs or the system or even their own uncontrollable impulses. 
This is when responsibility transforms into blame, where we tell ourselves a story about why we had no choice but to engage in less than respectable behaviour. Blame is where we find someone or something else to blame for our decisions. You can even blame yourself by claiming your past self somehow let you down. This is essentially no different to blaming another person because your past self is another person. Criminals used to tell me that they had violently attacked someone because they asked for it or because, well, my father always hit me and that's the only way I know. Similarly, I would excuse my binge eating on being too stressed out by my boss or I'd blame my avoidance of asking girls out on being too shy. There was always an outside force we can blame for our behavior but that doesn't make it an accurate thing to do. There is confirmation bias at work here. There's a set of beliefs you want to maintain because they help remove guilt about your cowardice and lack of integrity. And these beliefs all center around you being a powerless victim who cannot be expected to make better decisions and who cannot be held to account for lapses in integrity. Most people assume their brain is fairly accurate when it comes to recording memories and tracking evidence of what happens, but the truth is your brain couldn't be more unreliable. You'll feel compelled to look for evidence that proves your innocence. For example, my boss said I had to do it. While you avoid and minimize evidence that shows you are in fact the only causal element in your own decision making. Watch yourself next time something goes wrong. Notice how you immediately start pointing that invisible finger in your mind towards something outside of yourself. There are also identities we try to maintain to simplify the world. I might want to believe that I'm Mr. Nice Guy, so I strive to make it true. I ignore evidence that I'm manipulative or vindictive or resentful, and I hype up evidence that I'm a self-sacrificing martyr, all the while blaming other people for not appreciating my contribution. This story is easier for me to swallow than the truth, which is that I'm being a weak, pathetic people-pleaser who could actually stand up for himself and ask directly for what he wanted and express himself honestly, etc., if I was willing to take responsibility for myself. I might not want to identify as a loser, but it's easier to understand my life if I am consistently one thing. This is where biases will filter my recording of evidence and skew the results that happen so that I can keep my identity intact. My brain will record everything as if I'm a loser. I'll hype up my failures, sometimes real but mostly imagined, and downplay my successes. For example, the plain fact that I've survived every day of my life while completing nearly every task I set out to do. If you think of yourself as a victim... Your mind will dwell on the times you were mistreated and justify or minimize the times you brought misery upon yourself by not being honest. Even arrogant people do this just the other way round. You highlight your successes, or completely fabricate them, while going to great lengths to avoid clear evidence that you have flaws as well. For example, those unbearable people who mock mental illness while being seemingly unaware of their own obvious psychological problems. Almost every memory you have of yourself is massively skewed by fictional stories told to you by yourself, both at the time of creating the memory and then again every time you recall the memory. Every time you receive any form of feedback from the outside world, your mind immediately goes to work on moderating it to fit your identity, victim narrative and beliefs you want to maintain about how the world works. 
Simply put, trusting your brain's record of what happens to you as an accurate account of the past is like believing a history book written by a warlord is unbiased about his enemies. The loop from hell. So these three lies keep you trapped in a loop of destruction, a perpetually increasing tendency towards self-sabotage. As you falsify evidence in your recordings of who you are, you further skew your ability to think truthfully and make accurate decisions, which then promotes more dishonest behavior. The loop goes round and round, making things worse at every turn. In the end, you become a person who's living a lie. Like a fish in water, you won't even be able to see this lie world around you because your brain is convinced by its own stories. Your thoughts end up being based almost entirely on fictional simulations that you have almost never tested. Your behavior becomes a near-constant self-deception and manipulation of others. And the way you see yourself becomes a story about a character who never really existed. You're now living in a fantasy world, conservatively clinging to a fiction that keeps you missing out on reality with all its opportunities, experiences, and enjoyment. Solution? The 3x model. The good news is that you can stop this loop anytime you want. I designed the 3x model specifically for this purpose, to help people live with more integrity, to live a more honest life so they can be proud of themselves and accept life on its terms. First, you must apply the value of curiosity to your thinking. Start with the assumption that when you plan for the future, you're massively biased and influenced by fictions in your mind that have never been proven. You must accept that any simulation you make of the future, however convincing, is entirely fictional. You could easily be completely wrong while feeling completely right, and you are probably at least a little bit wrong in every prediction. There are two questions you can ask yourself to help reduce self-deception. 1. What do I know for sure? This does not mean, what do I feel sure about? It means, what could I prove scientifically? This is the raw data you've got to work with. If you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. I often think to myself, could I show it to someone else? If the answer is no, then it doesn't exist. I can't show myself being hurt in the future to somebody. Therefore, I'm not really being hurt. You might have a fear that asking a girl out will go badly, but the only thing you know for sure is that there is a girl standing in line at the cafe and you're a bit nervous because you're attracted to her. There are no other facts to work with here. There is no measurable evidence for the thing you're afraid could happen. Until you say something to her, all possibilities remain fictional. In other words, untrue. Second question. What is the right thing for me to do if I want to live with integrity? This does not mean what would feel good to do. It means what would I be proud of doing even if it doesn't go the way I hope? The answer to that question is what you should attempt to do next. I find it helps to think of a future version of myself who I want to impress. What would he want me to do? How can I serve him? What discomfort should I endure now to ensure he has a good life? Once you've answered these questions, you must then try your very best to move forward on expressing yourself as, an, as, as honestly and accurately as possible. Try to cut the fat. Avoid sugarcoating, moderation, half-hearted attempts, apology, and safety nets. Just say it proudly or do it boldly. Keep it simple. Try to make it as truly representative of who you are in the moment as possible. 
Just go all in and take a risk. Go up to the girl and say hi. Say no, I disagree to your boss. Decide on a name for new, your new business. Just fucking go for it. And lastly, when the dust clears and it's time to assess what happened, acknowledge that you are going to have a hard time measuring it accurately if you just leave your brain on autopilot. Find some time alone, get out a pen and paper or a voice recorder, and try to accurately record what really happened. Try to leave out the storytelling, or at least identify the difference between something that happened, something that actually happened, versus the story you told yourself about what happened. Try to measure just the raw facts and how you reacted internally to these things as they happened. Separate the stories from measurable evidence. Notice the factors you could control and those you couldn't. Give yourself credit for what you did your best effort on and acknowledge what you learned from your attempt. Resist the temptation to say, I could have or I should have, because you didn't. Stick with the facts only. Now you can loop back around in a much healthier way slowly but surely repairing the damage done from weeks, months, or even years of self-sabotage cycles. Now on a personal note, I want to say I genuinely do live according to the 3x model principles, with occasional slips and lapses. When I notice myself starting to get agitated or stressed or anxious or upset, I slow down and I start going through the model. I look at what I'm telling myself is happening and how that compares to what is actually happening. I notice the discrepancies, and I call myself out on the bullshit I've told myself. I then try to make a decision based on what I'd be proud of later, or what I think a confident man would do in this situation. Then, once a day, I write in my journal about the significant events of the day, and analyze them for truth and lessons to be learned. For example, a little while ago I got quite stressed about money. I noticed myself starting to doubt my business model, and I even blamed the country I lived in for lack of suitable clients. But I caught myself doing this, slowed down, and I started the 3x process. I noticed the truth was that I had a roof over my head and food in the fridge, enough to last the next 24 hours without dying. So immediately I saw there was no major threat to my safety. I also observed that money in my bank is really just numbers on a computer screen that do absolutely nothing to my life in the present moment. It was just the story I told myself about being broke that upset me. The money itself wasn't doing anything to me right now, positive or negative. Money, in fact, doesn't even exist, and the stories about what money can or cannot do for me are all fictions. Then, because I already know my core values... I tried to do something according to the value of giving. I've learned from experience that giving is the best antidote to neediness. So I reached out to some people in my audience and offered them support. After this was done, I journaled about how the lack of money didn't measurably harm me in any way, so I can remember that for next time, and that being giving towards other people felt good and brought me back to zero. Even after many years of disciplined self-development, psychological training, and coaching others, I still don't trust my brain on autopilot. Every day I follow the 3x model whenever I notice unhelpful behavior occurring. Give it a try yourself, see what happens. And one last time, if you want to learn how to apply this model on a daily basis so that you can build constant, high self-confidence, get in touch with me, Dan at Brojo.co.nz. Have a great week. Cheers. Cheers.